Welcome to Trade Finance Talks, a podcast from Trade Finance Global. During this series, we'll be hearing from global experts, as well as learning about the latest trends, technology and insights in the world of international trade and receivables finance. Episode 79. We see the global economy sort of in three main poles, US, Europe, Asia, and everybody else. This gives the Asian countries a huge advantage. My name is Sebastian Patel, editor at Trade Finance Global. The last two years have been no other for the global economy. With a forced global shutdown, followed by unprecedented fiscal stimulus, it's no surprise that volatility has been the name of the game since the outbreak of COVID-19. But with the worst of the volatility probably now behind us, are we on the royal road to recovery for global trade? Or are we about to see a slow and painful downturn as interest rates continue to rise around the world? From Inflation to protectionism to a red-hot but now cooling commodity sector, there are many factors that will shape global trade in 2022 and beyond. To discuss these issues, I'm delighted to be joined by John Miller, Chief Economic Analyst at Trade Data Monitor. John, welcome once again to Trade Finance Talks. Thank you so much for having me today. Happy to talk. So quick introduction, just by way of recap, in no more than 30 seconds or so, who are you, where are you from, and what do you do, John? So I'm the uh, Chief Economic Analyst for Trade Data Monitor, which is a Geneva-based company that assembles trade data from over 100 countries and puts it into a database that can tell you everything about imports and exports for any country, for any product going back over 30 years. I covered trade for the Wall Street Journal for a long time, so I love looking at numbers and trying to tell stories with this data. And it's always an incredible insight into the global economy. You know, our clients are, are huge multinationals, uh, trading companies, governments, lobby groups all over the world. What a great person to have on Trade Finance Talks. So let's start. Can you give me a brief overview of the commodity market? What have been some of the most significant changes over the past few months since we last spoke? Well, it's been a really rich time for macroeconomists. And a lot of the trends we've actually seen in the trade data before they've come up in the news. I mean, take, for example, inflation in commodity markets. You've seen big price increases. For example, Brazil iron ore exports last year were up 4% in volume and 69% in price. So that just means people are paying more for their iron ore. You're seeing a macro sort of uh, knock-on effect of all the um, government spending to shore up the economies where consumers have been buying a lot, importing a lot. And that's caused a scramble for resources, especially, I mean, this trend of more and more people in Asia joining middle and upper class life uh, means that um, there's a bigger demand for energy. Um, India fuel imports were up massively last year. Coal, surprisingly, is kind of back, which is, you know, coal is a swing supplier for power countries including Germany and China, surprisingly. And so coal trade was up last year, which is a trend nobody expected. The scramble for resources is forcing up prices. And now you're seeing it in consumer inflation. And you know we saw that in trade data all of last year. Thanks, John. So demand for resources in the commodity sector coupled with consumer inflation. Can you talk through some of the macro trade updates that we've seen in the industry? The good news is that um, COVID was a big challenge to uh, supply chains. We saw this last year with these um, container ships lined up in front of ports all over the world. And the good news is that global trading system bent, but it didn't break. Trade is expected to uh, rise 4.7% this year, which is not as much as the 11% from last year, but last year was after the uh, disastrous 2020. The big macro trends, I mean, you're seeing, again, this big increase in energy trade. U.S. is becoming a key energy supplier. All the fracking gas is coming online. 
being shipped all over the world. The work from home trend has meant that high tech trade is going to double probably overall global trade is. So if overall global trade is up around 5% in 2022, high tech trade will be up more than 10%. I mean, that's people just getting used to working at home and buying routers, buying computers, all the gear they need. The electric car market is taking off. You're seeing big increases in trade of Teslas and other electric cars all over the world. And you know, driving this so far, again, it's US and European consumers. The US economy grew by over 5% in 2021, which is a lot more than um, anybody expected. And then in Asia, you're seeing a sort of broadening of supply chain. So we're in the past, goods came you know, mainly from China. Now, you know, Vietnam and Singapore, Taiwan, Thailand, Malaysia are all seeing double-digit increases in trade. And this is companies using other countries to, to build their supply chains to protect themselves against uncertainty, against protectionism in the West. The global logistics industry is an $8.6 trillion industry. And again, it's proven quite robust in 2021 and going into 2022. And again, people were really worried that um would run out of stuff and that the supply chains would, would break. This is part of life now for the entire planet. I think the resilience we've seen because of COVID demonstrates that. Thanks, John. And I think one of the themes of the Economist 2021 update was supply chains were one of the most commonly used and big themes in global economics. So that's interesting. You painted quite a positive picture describing trade as perhaps a bent, not broken. But obviously, this has caused a huge inflation problem. Can you give a quick overview of the inflation picture we're facing right now? Yeah. And so this is obviously what everybody is worried about. And here, I don't really have good news. I mean, we've seen price increases, essential trade items, for the past 18 months, frankly. I mean, went into the economy last year as governments tried to protect themselves from collapse, especially in the US where every citizen got, including myself, got several thousand dollars and spent that money. That went into the economy and drove massive increase. The US trade deficit last year was the highest it's ever been in history, which you know, had all kinds of effects, including on currencies and on inflation, all stuff that we can see in the TDM trade data. It's everywhere. I mean, last year, Chinese natural gas imports were up 18% by volume and 170% by price. So that's just, they're paying more. They're outbidding people for the natural gas. This is what is at the root of inflation. We don't do predictions at TDM. We just look at the past data, but we can sort of extrapolate what's going on. It looks like inflation is going to continue for a while longer, but I don't have any sort of magic bullet about how to deal with it from a policy point of view. And I, I do think that's something that your listeners should worry about. Yeah, absolutely. And a huge issue potentially for consumers. Now, US-China tensions show no signs of slowing down. Can you walk our listeners through what the repercussions of these growing tensions are? And I think the last time we spoke you know, we were on the verge of China overtaking America as the world's biggest importer, probably due to you know higher commodity prices. What's the situation now? That hasn't happened yet. Uh, Trade Data Monitor's uh, CEO, Don Brasher, and I have this bet about when it's going to happen. I think probably this year at some point. But again, U.S. consumers spending the stimulus money so the U.S. trade deficit increased 27% last year to an all-time high of $859 billion. That's the trade U.S. trade deficit. The previous record was in 2006. That's not going to make Americans less protectionist, I'm afraid. And Donald Trump is gone, which has kind of diminished the tensions. But if you talk to anybody in Washington, the free trade consensus that governed U.S. trade policy for a generation after World War II, it's pretty much over. You know, Inside of the country in the US has been hollowed out and people with some justification blame the trade deals. And so that creates a political pressure to not make more trade deals. And the US and China had this um, agreement to, for China to buy more products, soybeans and such from the US, but it bought only 57% 
of the goods and services they have promised to under this uh, bilateral agreement, according to your recent study. So there's a sense that um, you know the U.S. is still not getting a fair shake in global trade markets, and that's going to drive more tension between these two pillars of the global economy. And has there been generally an increase in protectionism in trade? So perhaps staying out of U.S.-China, but in terms of other countries. And what does that mean for the global economy? Not everywhere. There's a big new trade deal in Asia that started January 1st. We think that's going to have a, a really big impact. And the U.S. had a chance to be a part of that, and it's not. And that's going to you know, fuel this new supply chain. And we see the global economy sort of in three main poles, U.S., Europe, Asia, and everybody else. This gives the Asian countries um, a huge advantage become you know, the expansion of China's role as the world's factory now that gets spread to all over Asia. Thanks to this um, new trade deal, these countries are the winners uh, of what's shaken out in this decade so far, in this century. And so it makes sense for them to be not so cynical about trade. Not so the case in Europe and US and the UK, where I'm sure Boris Johnson would love to have a UK-US a trade deal, but I don't think that's going to happen. There is a um, UK-Australia deal in the works that looks like it should stimulate a lot of trade. But again, I think the big free trade moment for the world for now is on pause. Are there any other trade relationships on your radar that you think we should be looking out for that could be potentially interesting for the global economy? Yeah, so I mentioned this big new deal in Asia which uh, we think is going to be a big incentive for companies to um, spread their supply chains in Vietnam, especially Singapore. The China-Australia relationship, which seemed on the rocks after contentions over the source of COVID and such, is kind of back. I mean, these are two countries that need each other far too much. I mean, China is desperate for Australian iron ore and wine and essential products. And Australia needs manufacturing electronics, iPhones and such that uh, factories. So that's a very practical relationship that got back on track and sort of overrode the uh, politics, you know, Ukraine post-Brexit and seeing what's going on there. You know, trade seems to be doing okay. I mean, companies do report higher costs of compliance with different regulations having to obey Brussels and London. But uh, we, the UK and EU eventually will get smoothed out and that will be a block as far as companies go and, and setting up supply chains. Thank you very much, John. And final question, and I know you don't like me asking you to get your wish ball, your crystal ball out. What are the, some of the major trends you think we're likely to see in global trade over the next year as, as we see it pan out? I mentioned this before, but um, the electric vehicle boom is going to cause a really big series of investments and subsequent trade and all the technology behind it, especially batteries. I mean, Chinese lithium battery exports were up 78% to $25 billion in the first 11 months last year. That's a big new industry really, really getting rolling. And China imports the raw materials it needs from Latin America. Lithium carbonate comes from Chile and Argentina, according to our data. And so that's going to be a really important thing that's going to drive new industries, drive global trade the rest of the century, frankly, as we continue to fight the battle to wean ourselves off carbon. Electric vehicles are such an important part of that. I mean, U.S. consumers continuing to spend is something. They've really driven the recovery from COVID. Again, working from home is a trend is something. Last year, U.S. furniture imports were up 26% to $61 billion. I mean, think about that. That's huge numbers there. Supply chain, again, has shown it's been resilient, which is something I think people can count on and maybe a risk that companies can kind of phase out if they're worried about getting cut off. If you look at uh, Chinese car trade, that's very interesting. Exports are way up and imports are way down to sum it up. Basically, China is making it plenty of its own cars. Often these are Western companies, by the way, but they're still becoming a player on global export markets, which is something that I didn't really see coming 
And there was, of course, a burgeoning China-owned car industry, and they're starting to export more. And then, I mean, the return of coal as a swing commodity energy supplier, which I didn't expect, and the numbers show that's continuing. And so the big themes, again, are this uh, scramble for resources. The world has to power itself. That's forcing up prices. I think you're going to see, you are going to see more volatility as you know things sort of settle down after COVID, things get back to normal. And it's going to take some time for the, again, the money that was spent to save us from COVID to play itself out, out in the economy and for inflation to come down in, in 2022. What a really good summary and a fairly positive picture for global trade. So I guess just to summarize, we are seeing the return of a resource intense economy, particularly driven by India and China, where we've seen growth soaring and, and surprisingly the return of coal, despite a lot of rhetoric that we heard at COP26 just a few months ago. But obviously the world is still trying to wean itself off carbon with the electric vehicle boom and the huge demand of lithium batteries batteries and potentially with China becoming a major player in terms of car exports. We've also seen the broadening of supply chains in, in Asia outside of China, whilst US growth continues. High-tech trade will continue to grow as the work from home era continues on in a post-COVID world. But we also have the challenges around increasing inflation and the impact that will have on consumers, particularly the fact that we don't see it going down anytime soon. John, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on Trade Finance Talks as always. Look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me on and talk about trade. Thanks for listening to Trade Finance Talks. Be sure to subscribe to our podcasts at tradefinanceglobal.com.